Sometimes there's a lot of ways to say the same thing. So when you're talking about renal or ureteral stones or nephrolithiasis or ureteral calculi or kidney calculi, you're often just talking about stone disease, even though clearly if you say ureteral calculi, you're more in the ureter. So that is a bit more specific, but really what we're talking about is calculi. Calculi are stones, and stones form from crystals that precipitate out into the urine. And the reason that these stones form in the urinary tract is these crystal-forming substances, so we're usually talking about calcium or oxalate or uric acid, is high in the urine. Or perhaps it's something that inhibits stone formation that is low in the urine, particularly something like citrate being low. And if you have something that predisposes to one of those situations, whether it's a medical condition or poor fluid intake or certain dietary habits, you are going to be more prone to forming stones. And that's really important because you want to try and change whatever dietary issue, medication, underlying medical problem is causing these stones because there is a high recurrence that if you have stones once, you're at high risk for having them again. So you want to try and prevent that from happening. Because as we all know, history can repeat itself, although not for everything, meaning I don't think the dinosaurs are coming back. Now, I don't know. I might even be wrong about that. Jurassic Park was kind of convincing. So anyway, when we see stones and you're going to see stone disease calculi both in the inpatient and the outpatient setting, there is a lot to consider. And I think the first thing, the biggest consideration is, is this a septic patient? Is this patient infected? Because if you're septic with an obstructing stone, you have got to get that stone out of there. Or maybe more accurately, I should say, you at least have to decompress the collecting system, meaning if the stone's obstructing in your septic, somehow you're going to have to get passage and drainage. And I will get to discussing that a little bit. I mean, those topics are really more on the urology standpoint and the IR, the interventional radiology standpoint, but we have to understand them. I will more talk about management from the medical standpoint, and I guess that gets to the very first issue at least in my mind, if they're not septic, and we're admitting them for another reason like pain control, because these can be awfully painful conditions. And not to gloss over septic patients with obstructing stones, because I have seen that be a severe medical emergency. So yes, you want to start treating sepsis right away, get that antimicrobial therapy going, you know, while you're waiting for the specialist to come in and deal with the decompression. But let's talk about the patient for a moment who's not septic, but absolutely miserable. And I think one of the first things we need to consider is size, because size does matter in a lot of situations, including asteroids, glasses of wine, bras, yes, and kidney stones. I'm sure I'm glossing over something that maybe I'm just looking at it from a male-centric standpoint and women have something where they feel size matters. But for kidney and particularly ureteral stones, size does matter. And why? Because it really determines 
whether a stone is likely going to pass spontaneously or not. Meaning if it's less than five millimeters, meaning a four millimeter stone or less is likely to pass spontaneously, particularly if you give it a little push with a lot of fluids and that kind of thing. Then you start getting into the size of greater than five millimeters, let's say between five millimeters and nine millimeters, the larger it starts getting, you might get spontaneous passage, but the rate starts decreasing. And then when you start getting into stones that are 10 millimeters or greater, you're unlikely to have spontaneous passage. So you gotta do something else in that situation. And then there are other factors you need to consider. I mean, the first factor is, did you just find this stone and it's not hurting the patient, in which case, Usually you have a lot of time to work with, but if you have a patient that's presenting with the typical symptoms of really bad acute abdominal or flank pain, a lot of times there's nausea and vomiting, the pain is so bad, the pain often radiates into places you really don't want pain. I mean, guys often are saying that their penis hurts or their testicles hurt, and then there's all kinds of urinary symptoms that can also go along with this, meaning some people do have urgency and frequency. Some people say they can't urinate very well. But yeah, we also do see asymptomatic nephrolithiasis when you order a radiologic imaging study of the abdomen for other reasons. So basically, stone disease and calculi can range from totally asymptomatic to what some people describe as the worst pain in their life. And if you're seeing the patient for the first time and you're suspecting that it might be stone disease, actually their symptoms may help determine where along the tract that stone is, meaning an upper ureteral stone or renal pelvic obstruction can be more prone to causing flank pain, whereas if you have a lower ureteral obstruction or even just a lower ureteral stone, Oftentimes, it will radiate into that same side testicle or in women, that same side labium. And that can be important, particularly when we hospitalize these patients, which isn't a lot, but I think every hospital has, has a few of these on their service every year. But, you know, if you come in the first day and you know it's stone disease and they say, yeah, it's just going into my flank area and really painful. And then the next day you've been flooding them with IV fluids and they're saying, yeah, the pain's now moved into my testicle or labium, then you can be at least uh, fairly confident that the stone is migrating, which is what you want it to do if it's a small stone and you're trying to pass it without some sort of intervention. Well, why don't we leave it there? I know that's a short episode, but I think there's actually a lot of pearls in the last few minutes. And I want to get a little bit more into the imaging studies to diagnose a stone. And then obviously we need to get into the treatment. So this will be probably a several part series on calculi in the urinary tract system. You've been listening to Dr. Gil Pratt doing the hospital and internal medicine podcast. I will catch you on the next round.